Oh man, have we got tyranny? <laughs> we, we've got tyranny. Uh, you know, let me put it this way. Welcome, folks. This is Bloodlines on Eurofolk Radio, February twenty third, twenty twenty, and my co-host uh, this morning is uh, Michael from Sweden. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing very well, Eli. Yeah. I hope you're also doing well. Yeah, and uh, I think also in Sweden, uh, you have a swamp too. <laughs> it's just as bad as our swamp, right? <laughs> oh, but, yeah, of course. Yeah. We all, all the white Western nations have swamps. Uh-huh, right, and it's usually in the capital of their society where, where the Jews gather. Now, um, we've, uh, we thought, you know, when Trump got elected, we thought he would drain the swamp. But it but it turns out he's actually the swamp thing. So if anybody wants to draw a cartoon of Donald Trump emerging from the swamp, <laughs> right, like a, a stinky, slimy monster coming up out of the swamp, because he did convert to Judaism sometime in uh, 2017. So he, he's been an actor all this time. An actor. I mean, do you have any com- comparable actors in Sweden claiming to be patriots and are exact opposite in their actions? Do you have anything similar? Maybe not that as uh, Donald Trump has done, but I guess you have this. Uh, there was uh, what do you call them? Um, they called the Sweden Democrats. They are the same, but they are not like patriotic, like like Trump has 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 had a picture to be. But they still are this controlled opposition, as I want to call them. They are controlled opposition. They are more yes. more Zionist Democrats. Yes, Zionists. And now it's interesting. Rick Wiles, uh, you know, who, we've put a lot of his videos up on Eurofolk Radio. Uh, he was finally uh, trash canned from YouTube for the one show he did about uh, Christian Zionism and how evil Christian Zionism is. And he actually had two Jewish guests who trashed Zionism altogether, right? And and the Israelis. So Rick Wilde is getting so close to Christian identity in identifying the Jews as the main source of evil in the world that he just had to go. Okay. So uh, anybody who gets close to telling the truth about the Jews is trash canned. That's just the way it is. Now, we supposedly have a right to freedom of speech in America, right? But since the Jews own all of these uh, well, platforms, they own all the platforms, they just do as they please, and nobody, not even Trump, has done anything about it. Okay, so whose side is Trump on? What's your impression, Michael? He's on the money. Yeah. He's on the side of the money. (laughs) That's a really good answer. All right. So uh, we're going to continue today with an article that we uh, actually had done a couple of shows about. And uh, it's uh, the word Jew is not in the Bible. It's an excellent article. It's done by an author who's Christian Identity. And he basically argues what we have been trying to teach here at Eurofolk Radio since we began. The word Jew does not belong in the Bible. And uh, the the primary reason is that Judah, the tribe of Judah, house of Judah, were pure-blooded Israelites who were forbidden to intermarry outside of the Adamic race which is not true of Jews. The Jews are the most race-mixed bunch of people, the most uh, motley bunch of people on the planet. So you can't compare this motley crew to a pure blood, can you, Michael? 
No, that sounds... Uh, you, you can't. It's, uh, then uh, now you're making a horrible mistake. And I guess that is the mistake that they want to infuse into the Bible. They want to make that the Bible is for everybody. But it's not for everybody. It is no, for the race of Adam. Amen. For the Adam. Yeah. So it's like if you have a horse race and you breed a thoroughbred from you, you, uh, uh, a line of horses you know to be like the fastest in Kentucky, <laughs> right? And uh, you breed stock from them, you'd be crazy to breed them to like a zebra and expect to get a fast horse, right? Uh, they actually have a word for uh, a horse that's been interbred with a zebra, you know, and they and they have uh, stripes. They have some stripes, not as many as a zebra, but the half horse, half zebra will have some stripes. And there's no way you can get thoroughbreds horse races from that line, right? You just can't. So, but yet you will have people who will refer to both groups as horses. No. Only one group is horses. The other group is zebra. I forget what they call them. Zebra horses, okay? And that's how you have to understand the Edomites who intermarried into the house of Judah. Now, I would question the extent to which these Edomites married into our ancestors there. Because as we were talking before the show, the only Edomites who would be inclined to move into the city of Jerusalem would be their merchant class, you know, their moneylenders, okay? Uh, the rest of them were goat herders. You know, they lived in rocky territory. Edom was, uh, you know, like Petra, a very rocky, mountainous terrain. I don't know if they were a- even able to keep sheep in such terrain, but certainly goats would thrive in such terrain, okay? So you, you cannot imagine that the Goat herders of Edom would have all picked up and moved to, to the city of Jerusalem, but their leadership would have, okay? Their money lenders and their merchants would have. So there's no way of telling how many of these Edomites settled in the city of Jerusalem, but we do know this, that uh, Josephus and all other commentators tell us that they took over the Sanhedrin, that Herod assassinated the entire Sanhedrin and replaced the Judahite with Edomite Sanhedrin, plus there was a a smattering of Judahites who were loyal to the Pharisees and loyal to the Edomites, and thus we have a mixed multitude, like a swamp, (laughs) right? Herod created a swamp uh, at the upper echelons of Judea, and they were supported by the Romans. The Judahite faithful were constantly protesting against the presence of the Edomites in their midst as their leaders, but none of these modern Judeo scholars ever point this out. They don't read Josephus, they don't read the Apocrypha, and they don't even read the Gospels where Jesus condemns the Pharisees over and over and over. So they don't know that Jesus was an anti-Semite, right? They don't even know that. Or anti-Edomite is probably the correct word of putting it. The anti your comment, Michael. Yeah, when you the the thing that came to me is this that um, when you when we when we describe Edom as a rocky place, which many rocks, so then the Edomite live it up in in the mountains. Well, is that anything new? If you look at New York today, isn't that a very rocky place where they live high up in their skyscrapers? It is only rock; it's high up in the skyscrapers in the concrete. 
Yeah, Rock called Manhattan, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. They always, uh, they always scale. Goats scale the heights, don't they? They want to be high up, and that describes the Jews. They always want to be high up, and they always succeed because our people, like sheep, don't notice what's going on around them. They simply don't, and they believe uh, lies. And I was thinking about before even waking up this morning, I was having a dream about the how these Jews operate, and they're so clever. And uh, as I was waking up, the, the, the whole flock or herd, I guess a herd of goats, flock of sheep, herd of goats, the whole herd of Jewish goats are psychopaths, every last one of them, even the better ones who uh, aren't part of the upper crust, have this instinctual way of pretending, of being, you know, of being false with the outside world. And then when they get together amongst themselves, they conspire against us. So any Christian who thinks, who takes Jews seriously, and the author gets into this as part of the article today, any Jew, any, I mean, any uh, Adamic Israelite, or any other person outside of Jewry, any goy, as the Jews use the term, uh, is fooled, absolutely fooled by the Jews' claim to being of the house of Judah. That is absolutely not true. Therefore, we should never use the word Jew with for uh, reference to Judah, and we should only use the word Jew with reference to these mixed-race, uh, psychopathic um, you know, infiltrators and parasites we know as Jews today. Uh, the idea that the Judahites of the Old Testament are the exact same people as modern Jews is absolute craziness. Over to you, Michael. Um, yeah, the thing I thought about in this, um, this psychopathic um, trait of them mm-hmm. is that that could also be the reason why they created this psychological, this uh, mumbo-jumbo um, uh, science in back in Germany, this uh, psychiatrist. Right? Oh, yeah. Sigmund Fraud. Yeah, Sigmund Fraud. Yeah, everything they do is fraudulent. I mean, there's nothing they do that is honest, true, or decent. It's all trickery, and they have inherited this from their father, Lucifer, you know, uh, whose father was Cain. Okay, I mean, uh, whose son was Cain. All right, this is how the Bible is properly understood. Okay, so let's go into the article here. And uh, I posted the link in the chat room. And let me actually go up to the uh, the quotation I want to start with here. This is about, oh, we're not deeply into this article at all, only a few paragraphs down. We've already done two shows about this. But here, uh, when the word Jew was first introduced into the English language in the 18th century, its one and only implication, inference, and innuendo was Judean. Okay, Michael, what? How would you distinguish a Judean from a Judahite? What's the difference? Well, a Judean has to be an inhabitant in in the land of Judean, but that it is not it is not the same as they are Judahites because they're different. A Judean is is someone lives in that place, but a Judahite is someone that is descendants from the house of Judah. So a Judean could be an an Edomite, it could have been an 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 Judite, it could have been a Benjaminite, but uh, that is different. 
Yeah. Okay. So just like in Sweden today, you have uh, Somalians and Arabs who now call themselves Swedes. Same thing ha- is happening in Ireland, by the way, folks. Blacks calling themselves Irish. And uh, But they were not the original Swedes. They were not the original Irish. So the original Judahites were completely different people from Judeans in the sense that they were a pure race. And they practiced the Mosaic Law, whereas these Judeans that we're talking about are a mixed multitude. You cannot have one word that applies to a pure blood, just as we started out talking about horses, that uh, applies to thoroughbred racehorses versus half uh, half um, zebra and half horse. That's a completely different animal, and that's what has to be understood. They're completely different. In fact, the Edomites were Israel's worst enemy throughout history. So Israel's worst enemy suddenly moved into Judea, the country, and took over, thanks to the Romans and thanks to Antipater, Herod's father, who bribed Julius Caesar with a great sum of money to install him as governor of Galilee. And then Herod proceeded with the Roman army to invade Judah, because it was still a country of pure-blooded Judahites, and as you mentioned, Benjamites and a few other Israelites. And then once they invaded with the Roman army, they took political control, The Pharisees were empowered to displace the Levitical priesthood, etc. So all of a sudden, within 100 years, because the first Edomites circumcised by John Hyrcanus was around the year 121 BC. So within 100 years, the, the Jews, properly, these Judean Edomites, took over the country. And the the average Judeo-Christian, the average Bible scholar has no idea that this happened and they take the Jews at their word that they are to say, how can they do this? I mean, can't they see the difference? Like the hook nose, right? All that, et cetera, et cetera. So simply by believing these lies, they're now 2,000 years old, uh, we have been simply fooled by this group of deceivers called these parasitic deceivers called Jews. So he says, okay, the uh, prior to 1775, oh, sorry, I went uh, too far up. Uh, okay, so the only implication, inference, and innuendo was Judean, meaning, as you said earlier, country, a territory. It was a ter- Judean is a territorial word. However, during the 18th, 19th, and 20th centuries, a well-organized and well-financed international pressure group created a so-called secondary meaning for the word Jew among the English-speaking peoples of the world. This so-called secondary meaning for the word Jew bears no relation whatsoever to the 18th century original connotation of the word Jew. It is a misrepresentation. So, Obviously, up until this point in time, the average Christian, because they they were taught that Jews were evil and that they should have no intercourse, social or sexual, with Jews, there was, you know, this the, these nineteen hundred years of enmity between Jews and Christians obtained. So something something had to happen in the background that caused the Christians to change their attitude toward the Jews. 
Because this doesn't happen overnight, does it? Does it, Michael? No, this is this. Uh, I don't know what to say. I can. This is, feels like when the camel puts his nose into the door. It's a little change that has happened. It's a little change, but it gets enormous consequences for this. Yes, enormous consequences, and the average Christian is clueless because they don't know any history. Their pastors don't teach them any history, and uh, they go on being clueless, supporting the Antichrist, thinking that uh, the Antichrist is related to Jesus the Christ, right? Uh, They have it totally backwards, okay? So the secondary meaning uh, insinuates that these evil Jews are somehow related to the tribe of Judah. That's the whole point of this creating this secondary meaning. Let's continue. The present generally accepted secondary meaning for the word Jew is fundamentally responsible for the confusion in the minds of Christians regarding elementary tenets of the Christian faith. It is likewise responsible today, to a very great extent, for the delusion of the devotion of countless Christians for their Christian faith. Yeah, it drives people away. Christians today are becoming more and more alerted day by day why the so-called or self-styled Jews throughout the world for three centuries have spent uncounted sums of money to manufacture the fiction that the Judeans in the time of Jesus were Jews rather than Judeans, okay? So again, so in other words, the modern Jews are trying to convince us that they that they are the Judahites of the Old Testament rather than simply citizens or residents of a country of mixed race population. And of course they're not their their race is not of Israel, their race is of Edom. So there's no talk. I mean, Michael, how how much talk have you heard by anyone outside of identity about Edomites? Well, you never heard it. And the, the um, thing that comes to my mind also is this, why the theologians and the, and the modern day, I don't know, priest, the preacher doesn't know this. Could it be just they're, they're ignorant? Or it could also be that they doesn't, I guess, in their, they haven't had the love maybe to study history because history is so um, important and, and very important to read and understand when you're also studying the Bible. They are interlinked, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, yeah, so also a lot of them are paid off, (laughs) right? They're paid off to tell us Jewish lies, okay? That's what they did when they created the uh, Zionist movement in the Schofield Reference Bible, 1905, I believe it was, Moody Bible Institute here in Chicago, Dallas Theological Seminary, and the Jews have taken over many of these so-called Christian colleges and turned them into Jew-loving uh, Christian bashing, Christ hating institutions. Although they still preach in the name of Christ, but they don't teach the gospel. They don't teach the covenants. They teach that somehow we have to worship Jews in order to get into heaven, right? That's what they're actually teaching. And the the Christian Zionists are the absolute worst of these people. Okay, so he says. Uh, See how the Ashkenazi Jews conquered the West. I guess that's a, it's either a book or an article. The forced evolution of the word Jew is similar to the evolution that befell the word gay. Gay equals Mary became gay equals homosexual. 
try telling someone who's happy and who's not a homosexual that you're glad he's so gay <laughs> and, and see what happens. Well, that would that wouldn't work too bad in Sweden because it appears that so many of the men are now gay <laughs> in the latter half of the sense, and we have so many here in America as well. Liberals, they're called liberals, and whatever happens to liberal men seems because the uh, since so many liberal women are uh, uh, lesbians. And uh, straight women don't want to associate with gay men, so I guess uh, liberal men, <laughs> so they turn gay, all right, uh, homosexual, uh, a whole subculture. So we have these subcultures that, that take over the language, and they have language of their own, and they apply it to themselves, and this is how the word gay, because, why? Well, because the Jews own the networks, and they have forced this new definition of the word gay upon us with constant presentations of homosexual men and homosexual women calling themselves gay. So the word gay no longer means happy. And you have to be careful in the, if you're in the co <laughs> company not to offend somebody who isn't a homosexual. That's how seriously they can affect the language, folks. That's how seriously they can do this. Another example is when many Christians today interact with a Jew they just met, their immediate reaction is to say, oh, Jesus was a Jew too. What they're unwittingly saying is, oh, Jesus was a Pharisee too. Now we're getting somewhere here. Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? All right. So, okay. So, Michael, what's your understanding now of, of Pharisees and their relationship, their, their position in Judea in those days? Well, they, they were the, what do you, how would you say? They were the modern-day politicians that had ri risen to high places. They were the high priests. They were, they were the ruling party. They were the one that was ruling, matter of fact, Judea. Well, Herod was on the, was on the throne. But then you had those, uh, um, those Pharisees, those um, scribes, or whatever you call them, that were the one, I guess, I, I, I see them as modern... Uh, almost like politicians today. Yes. Uh, Nimblehorse uh, came up with, <laughs> Brother Bear and Nimblehorse are experimenting with terminology. Uh, Psychot, <laughs> psycho goats, right? Uh, Judahkikes or Edomkikes. There you go. That's a good one. Edomkikes. And uh, so we know that the Edomites are not Judahites. We know this. But the rest of the world, you know, the non- the non-Israelite world, the non-Christian world, doesn't really care about this issue. But neither, neither do the Christians. They don't care about it either because Christianity has been uh, booted off the path of the covenants to universalism. And so, therefore, the Israelites of the world who have become Judeo-Christians do not do not care for the covenants. They have no knowledge of the covenants, and therefore they, they believe that Jesus is telling us to love everybody and race mix with everybody. And that's not what the Bible says at all, is it? Is it, Michael? No, not a word. That is more. That is condemned. That was why Solomon had, was condemned, because of his, uh, uh, he ran, chased after, I guess, Edomite and Moabite women. Yeah. So Edom kikes are not the same as Judahites, folks. Edom kikes are not the same as Judahites. Make that your, your there's a, 
a logical, you don't see it too much in um, mathematics, but the equal sign, if you draw a diagonal line through the equal sign, it means not equal. And so I don't even know if there's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a logical sign, but they don't use it in mathematics. So you draw your diagonal line through the word equal. The Edomites are not the same as Judahites, and never can be, never will be, and uh, never the twain shall meet. Certainly not in the, in the kingdom, because the Edomites will be destroyed. So this is how we have to understand. the Again, it's the bloodlines coming from Genesis 3.15 that are the important subject here. All right, so uh, you want to pick it up? Oh, here, let me finish this uh, section here, and then I'll let you pick it up at uh, Published Bible Manipulation. A word is what it is according to the meaning of its time. The word Jew today is so entrenched in describing one who follows Pharisaism or Judaism that it's been completely emptied of its original meaning. Hence, it no longer describes a Judahite or a Judean. Okay, well, we would say the word Jew never did apply to a Judahite, but it is properly applied to the Edomkites of today, who were not Judahites but were uh, infiltrators of Judea in those days. Okay, that is why it needs to be struck from the translated Bible. Yeah, the the word Jew does not belong. It just not that simply does not belong. God is not the author of confusion, 1 Corinthians 14.33. So, you want to pick it up with published Bible manipulation, Michael? Mm-hmm. Uh, published Bible manipulations. Uh, in all current published Bibles, the word Jew uh, is what is printed. However, in the 1985 New King James Version, published by Thomas Nelson, Inc., there is a glaring discrepancy. The Judeans who kill both Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have uh, persecuted us and they do not please God and are contrary uh, to all men. And that's First Thessalonians 2.15. Um, then we have a little pictures, I guess, from that, that right. um, paragraph here. Yeah, as, as he just quoted, that's uh, a photocopy of the, the verses in the NK, New King James Version, which I I don't think I have a copy of that. So and so that's an accurate translation. So what does he have to say about it here? Yeah. Underneath that, yeah. That's uh, the only place in that version where the word Iodines is right translated as Judean instead of the um, conspicuous word Jew. Okay, that is correct. Judeos meaning a resident of Judea. That, you know, from the context, you have to determine uh, who is responsible. Who are who are the people who are contrary to all men? Was it the Judahites? They, they, they were just minding their own business, <laughs> right? Trying to live among themselves. It's these Edomkites from the land of Edom who invaded Judah turned the country into now what's called Judea because it's no longer exclusively Judahites. And so this is the correct word. When you're talking about the mixed multitude in Judea, Judea is the correct translation. Right? Make sense, Michael? Yeah. Yeah, that's how it, 
So this is actually the correct translation. And so he says, this is the only place in the whole Bible where the word is correctly translated. Okay? Every other word is, you can't call them Judahites because it was not, you know, it, it was the Edomites who led the execution of Christ. They were the leaders in this uh, travesty. But there were Judahites who followed them and were, par- were partially responsible for the deed, as is proved, proved by Peter in the first couple of chapters of Acts, where he says, you, you Israelites, ye men of Israel, participated in this execution, and they were cut to the heart. So now only a Judahite who, waking up to, oh, I was tricked into participating in this act, would have had any kind of guilt about it. Would an Edomite have guilt about it? No, not like that, because that was, that is said, isn't that from the from the uh, Acts of the Apostles when they were speaking to the Judites and they were struck in their heart? Yes, amen, amen. No Edomite would have had any guilt pangs whatsoever. Back to you. Yes, let's read on then. Um, did you bribe Thomas Nelson Inc. to do it? If so, <laughs> that's, a, that's yeah. a question. That's a question. Did the Jews bribe yeah. Thomas? Well, I mean, I mean, did they bribe him to correct uh, to do a correct translation? I don't think so. Uh, but uh, but I think uh, did the Jews bribe everybody to mistranslate? The, uh, the Bible, yes. The, I'd say the answer for that is yes. Uh, please continue. If so, what did they um, stand to gain? And do uh, the editors at Thomas Nelson, Inc. actually know uh, that the word you is not in the Bible? No, they don't. Well, they have, <laughs> they have taken away from the word of God, and, and then they probably, that's not good. You shouldn't do that. That is a big forbidden. When you read in the book of Revelation. That's right. Yes. Now they have, have taken away from the word of God. And I don't know, I read some, I heard somewhere that the, the translator of the King James Bible, all of them died very violently. Yeah. Yeah, our people are cuddling with vipers. <laughs> well said, uh, uh, Mr. Kim. Yeah, please continue. Yeah. Yeah. All in all. It simply is uh, deliberate manipulations because simply put the same Greek word iodenos um, is all translated two different ways in that version. Yeah, okay, now here's an important point. The word eudeos is translated in different ways. Now, why is it translated in these different ways? Because they want you to conclude that a Judean, which is the correct translation, and a Jew... And a Judahite all mean the same people. That's what they want you to believe. That's why the inconsistent translations, if they would stick to the correct words and the correct translations consist and be consistent about it, then this confusion wouldn't occur. Back to you. Yeah, but the um, Edomite wants this confusion. That's right. So they won't change that. Um, and the only place where it's different in uh, different is in that very uncomfortable and crucial verse uh, where we are being led. 
like sheep to the slaughter, to um, envisage use, or today's, uh, of, of course. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we're asked being asked to picture, envisage, modern-day Jews as if they were there as Judahites, as if they were Judahites. That's what we're being asked to picture. And, of course, that's a lie. That's a false presentation, which they're confusion. Now, the interesting thing, I mean, if any Christian pays any attention to modern events, they would realize that Jews are responsible for all anti-Christian rhetoric and all Christ hatred in the world today. And, but, they never, but since they don't realize the Jews are behind all this, they falsely equate them with, oh, well, they're the relatives of Jesus. Why would they hate Jesus? Okay? So we, we should love them. And even if they did hate Jesus once upon a time, uh, we have to think that they are going to, because there's a couple of verses which, again, they, mis, they misidentify Israel with the Jews, that the Jews will come back and eventually convert to Christianity. Uh, do you think that's possible, Michael? If that would be possible, no. <laughs> no, no, it's not possible. But this is what the Christian Zionists actually believe. This is what they believe. Please continue. Um, as not contrary to all men, and not the killers of our Lord, while the Judeans of the tribe of Judah were the actual um, contrary ones who crucified the Lord and persecuted Christians. Okay, well, here, let me, uh, that's, uh, uh, that's not correct. Uh, the, the Jude, uh, now, he's correct in pointing out the Judeans can be either Edomkites or Judahites, because those were the two main groups. But the Judahites were not in leadership positions. The Edomkites were the ones in leadership positions, as we just talked about in um, Acts chapter 1 and 2. The Judahites did participate, but they were not the ringleaders. So the, the, the contrary ones were actually the Edomkites of the Pharisaic, and uh, some of them had become Sadducees, etc., etc., uh, and the Pharisees. These are the ones who were the ringleaders, and just as today, if Jesus Christ came back today, he would be considered an anti-Semite by the average Judeo-Christian, and and these Judeo-Christians would be uh, following the Edomites in calling for his execution all over again, because they're just as deceived as these Judahite followers of the Pharisees were in those days. Okay, nothing has changed, Michael. 2000, although there was a period, you know, in the inter- intervening 1900 years where Christians were Jew savvy. But that changed. That changed in the last 120 years or so. Back to you. Yeah, it has changed. And that is a gradual, and that's, uh, yeah, that's slippery slope. That's right. That's only yeah, has increased. Uh, that's why we're in the swamp again. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. And the slope, the slope goes down in the in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Um, still, in other other verses, where the word "you" is maintained throughout the Talmudic, rabbinist, aka fake Hebrews or Jews, that's right, um, get to be seen as the Hebrew of old, a misappropriated uh, application that is full of benefits for them, including the theft of uh, Palestine to create a modern day Israel. Consequently, yes, the editors at Thomas Nelson Inc. do know 
um, that the word Jew is not in the Bible, and and yet they keep using it. That is correct, and that's true of all Bible publications. They know that you cannot equate a Judahite with an Edom kike, but uh, they they keep lying to us by maintaining the confusion. Okay, and so the the best way here, let me uh, let me go into the scriptures here. Uh, John 10.26, uh, where, okay, l- let me back up to John 10.22. And it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of Dedication, and it was winter. Okay, this would be what uh, the Jews call Hanukkah, and uh, the, the, it was the Feast of the Rededication. This was when the Maccabees kicked the Greeks out because they had been sacrificing pigs on the altar. The Maccabees fought against the Greeks and kicked them out, and they rededicated the temple, cleansing it, and only pure sacrifices were offered on that altar again. So that is one of our feasts. That is a Judahite feast, not a Jewish feast. Verse 23, And Yahshua walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Now we have to understand that only... By tradition, only Judahites and Israelites were permitted to walk this close on, the, on the Solomon's porch. There was a area outside uh, where the general public and travelers could view things, but they couldn't go inside. They were forbidden to you know, pass a certain point. Okay, So only, only Judahites and Israelites would be present with the exception of the Pharisees who were pretending to be Judahites, okay? So there would have been Pharisees and there would have been Judahites and Israelites. Nobody else. John 10, 24. Then came the Judeans. It should be Judeans because it would be a mixed multitude of Edomkite Pharisees and Judahites would have been around him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt if thou be the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now, you have to understand, this is a mixed multitude, and it doesn't say Pharisees. It doesn't point out the Pharisees. If you read the scriptures carefully, it will tell you whether it's the Pharisees or whether it's the Judeans. And the Judeans were in, including a lot of Judahites because a lot of Judahites were doubters, just as we have a lot of white people today who doubt that Yahshua was the Messiah. And they, they're atheists, they're liberals, they hate the Bible. So we have as many Judahite and Israelite doubters and skeptics and non-believers today as there were then, okay? That doesn't make them Jews. It doesn't make them Edomkites, all right? So we still have to hold out hope for these people that if they f- f- properly understood Scripture, they would not confuse Jesus with a Jew. He was a Judahite, okay? So uh, here, I think what we're dealing with here in these verses, Michael, is that these are Judahites who wanted to know. I mean, they really wanted to know, are you the Messiah or aren't you? Okay? This is a fair, honest question. When the Pharisees asked such questions, they were always trying to entrap him. There's no indication of that going on here. Uh, your comment, Michael. Yeah, this is, uh, uh, as you point out so uh, clear here, that here is the, uh, the I also said, meanwhile you're reading, I also read in the 
in the Swedish translation, okay. uh, where they use they use the word um, Jews in it. They ha- that's what they say that it was um, that those um, they don't distinguish them. So yes. that's also what they use in this Bible. Yeah. So I would say from this verse that uh, we're dealing primarily with Judahites. There's no indication that the Pharisees are even present in this exchange between Yahshua and the, the Judahites present, okay? Verse 25, Yahshua answered them, I told you, and ye believed not. The works that, ye, that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Okay, he's, he's addressing Judahites here. But ye believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Now, Friday night... On Yahweh's Covenant People, I read an outstanding article by Willie Martin in which he addressed the subject of the remnant. So, unfortunately, among the Israelites in the world, the pure-blooded Israelites of Adam in the world, not all of us are going to be believers. Not all of us are going to accept Yahshua as our Messiah. There are many unbelieving white people in the world, many evil white people, and this is the, the distinction that Yahshua is making here. Some of you, even though you are Israelites, are not going to follow me. I know that. I know, and then he goes on to say, I, I do in the, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. So, currently today, Michael, would white nationalists who reject Yahshua be of his sheepfold? No, they would be. They would be the one that was asking those questions in the temple. That's that's exactly well said. That's exactly right. So, now we still hold out hope for them that they would correct their perspective on Scripture and realize that Yahshua was a an Aryan Israelite, not a Jew, as they understand the word, you know, correctly understood as a mixed-race mongrel, that they assume that Jesus was such a mixed-race mongrel, and they're wrong about that, okay? So then he continues to say, but, but my, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So throughout history, only a remnant of Israel has truly followed him. And the point that Willie Martin was making in his article was that throughout history, even though you have a lot of Christians in Europe who nominally became Christians and who went to church and did tithes and did offerings and blah, 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 he says the vast majority of these so-called Christians were just going through the motions and were not true believers, not true followers of Yahshua. And you look at the Catholic Church today, you look at the Protestant Church today, wouldn't that be true of them as well? Yeah, unfortunately that is. It's only emotion. Yeah. It's yeah. only a show. It is only, I don't know, it's only go to this uh, feel-good clubs. That's right, feel-good Christianity, and boy, is that popular. These televangelists become billionaires selling this feel-good Christianity. It's amazing, right? So if anyone, any white person who's involved in this feel-good Christianity has not read scriptures, has been 
fed uh, what a, a bill of a bill of goods, as we say in America. They've been fed a bill of goods or sold a bill of goods, and they and they've been lied to, and the the churches have not delivered on the promise to deliver real Christianity. It's bogus Christianity, and so he continues in verse ten twenty eight. Let me repeat, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He's talking about the faithful remnant here, distinguished from the rest of Israel. Verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So there's a certain remnant, there's a certain number of Israelites who will be faithful and nobody can nobody can dissuade us from this true gospel. Can they, Michael? No, they can't. Here you have also one of his his glorious promises that no one will be able to pluck them out of his hand. That is no one. Yes, not even the Jews. And it goes along with that verse that says, if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Yeah, but it's, if it but, were possible. Yeah, but it's not possible. So let me continue. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Verse 29. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Okay? So if the Father chooses you, and to believe on his son, Yahshua, then you are his. You are his, and nobody can, nobody can change that. You, and if you obey his laws, and not all of, even the remnant, you know, we, we falter, we, we fall into sin every now and then, but certainly not the grievous sins, like race mixing and theft and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, we don't, we try very hard not to offend our Israelite neighbors, and commit sins against them. Okay, a lot of us will, you know, falter with, you know, drinking, gambling, and that sort of thing. Uh, which, yeah, you know, well, but those things will affect our families negatively. You know, so, but I don't think the remnant engages in that kind of stuff. We try very hard not to do that sort of thing. Okay, this is not true of your average Judeo Christian who can't wait for the church service to end and go play golf, right? Or, or, wait, or wait for the tournament to be, uh, begin on television. This is the type of Christian that we're dealing with today who cannot be of the remnant, right? They cannot be of the remnant. They have to have their minds converted, and we're still hoping that there are a few of our people who can be converted still before the judgment day. Back to you, Michael. Yeah, their mind is sealed. You know, this when when people got wounds before uh, before time, they sealed the wound with a hot iron rod, and that yep. is what done on yep. their mind. Yeah, uh, Nimblehorse has a really good quotation in the chat room, and the founder of Christianity made no secret, indeed, of his estimation of the Jewish people. When he found it necessary, he drove these enemies of the human race out of the temple of God, because then, as always, they used religion as a means of advancing their commercial interests. Whoever is saying this is Jew-savvy. But at that time, Christ was nailed to the cross for his attitude towards the Jews, whereas our modern Christians enter into party politics, and when elections are being held, they debase themselves to beg for Jewish votes. 
They even enter into political intrigues with the atheistic Jewish parties against the interests of their own Christian nation. So states Adolf Hitler in Mein Kampf, Volume 1, Chapter 11. Okay? So, so even Adolf Hitler had a glimmering of the, there's a difference between a Jew and a Judah and a real Christian. There's a major difference between a Jew and a Christian. However, modern Christians have fallen into the trap of believing that the Jews are the Israelites and Hebrews of old. Back to you. Yeah, that is the default. And they, they, as you say, they only do this for, maybe for show or for today. Today, again, they're doing exact for that purpose. I guess many of them go to church just for getting a, I don't know, getting a commercial um, getting their um, contact, so just just uh, for benefiting their commercials. Even our Christian brothers and sisters, I guess, yeah. do that as well. Yeah, they merchandise everything, and uh, unfortunately, the televangelists have some of them actually are Jews, like Osteen, and, and but they have mastered the art of commercializing religion, so that they make money off of it in, instead of feeding the sheep. Okay, that, that's where we're at. That's where modern Christianity is at. Okay, uh, next heading, uh, uh, why don't you take the first paragraph here. Jews today are not the Hebrews of the Bible. That's well said. That is the absolute truth. Over to you. Uh, yes, today, uh, those who are known as Jews are in fact the non-Semitic and non-Israelite Ashkenazim, um, Serpentim, and Samarians who in later times joined small numbers of other races that converted to Judaism, Phariseeism, Polish, Russians, Ukrainians, Germans, etc. These later ones from the minority known as European Jews, who when coupled with the Ashkenazim, constituted a majority against the darker-skinned Samaritan, uh, Sephardic and African Jews. Okay, so he he uh, cites a book or article, Discover What Happened to the Hebrews. Okay, so uh, in other words, that these, uh, the Ashkenazim, who didn't come on the scene around uh, the eight, until the 18th, 8th century, Sephardim, who go all the way back to ancient Babylon, and Samaritans, many of whom were Sephardim placed in Samaria by the Assyrians, when... Uh, uh, you know, be, just before the Babylonian captivity of Judah. So you have all of these Sephardic and Edomite, and we know that the Edomites moved into the territory that w- was called Judah when the Judahites were taken into Babylon, although they didn't, they didn't move in, they, they just moved into the countryside because they, didn't, they don't build, so they didn't want to rebuild the, the streets and the temple. They, wait, they had to wait for the Judahites to come back to do that. So uh, Edom, the Edomites just pretty much remained as they were, although they did participate in the wars uh, against uh, Judah by the Babylonians and by the Assyrians. Okay, So the Edomites were happy to fight against us, but they weren't interested in rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the city because they didn't consider it to be theirs. Nevertheless, they were in the territory, okay? And this is where the enemies of Judah 
uh, we're always around them. We're always, uh, Michael, it's always like we're always surrounded by Jews who want to destroy us by infiltrating us. That, that's that's their modus operandi, and they've never changed that. Okay, uh, one more. Uh, t- take the next paragraph, too. Um, all the above groups are converted to Judaism. That's correct. And none can claim to trace their ancestry to Abraham, Jacob, or Judah. In other words, they not the chosen Hebrews uh, of the Bible uh, with whom God had the Old Covenant and therefore cannot claim the land of Palestine as their Abrahamic inheritance and uh, res- uh, resurrecting the dead Hebrew uh, tongue after certain in the dustbin of oblivion <laughs> in order to make it modern Israel's official language <laughs> won't change this fact much like parking a Subaru in a Lamborghini dealership uh, won't turn it into a Veneo uh, Roadster. That's, okay. that's out of my, both of those are out of my price range. <laughs> so I don't know what he's talking about, Subarus and Lamborghinis. So, But here we are, yeah, the, they, they're not Hebrews. They simply aren't Hebrews. And the... Anybody who does serious uh, research in scriptures finds that out. Uh, if you do research into the Ashkenazim and the Sephardim, you will find out, and Edom, you will find out that they are not Hebrews, period. Therefore, they cannot be Shemites. Therefore, they cannot be Judahites. So his first sentence in this paragraph is right on the money. All the above groups are converts to Judaism. They're not genetic Judahites, and none can claim to trace their ancestry to Abraham, Jacob, or Judah. Now, you can convert to Judaism, but can you convert to another race? Is that possible? No, that is <laughs> no. not possible. No, you can't, all right? But this is what the modern Judeo-Christians believe, that Jews who are Edomites Canaanites and Khazars can convert to being Israelites by race? No, they can't. They simply cannot. The covenants were not meant for them. The covenants are only meant for Israel and no other people. Let me take the next section here. In a comment he, here, uh, okay. he said that they have, they have what it did. They resurrected the dead Hebrew tongue. Right. Well, they don't speak Hebrew in, in, in Israel. They, they speak... Uh, Yiddish, right, and Yiddish is, is a correct. Com- I would say, yeah, Yiddish is a combination of Germanic, Polish, and whatever is left of Hebrew that the uh, the Jews have managed to salvage, right? So, yeah, it's not Hebrew. So, although they do have the Hebrew writings, you know, uh, that are contained in the Masoretic text, but whether any Jews ever, you know. They know how to pronounce correctly, etc. Like our pastor Steve does, right? Uh, I'm sure he could debate these Jews in Hebrew <laughs> and run circles around them. But here, let's continue. Here's an example of how changing Jews to Judah changes the whole meaning of a passage. John 4.22 Salvation is of Judah. That is correct, because 
Jesus Christ was a Judahite. That's what the meaning of this passage is. Not of the Jews. All right? So the, the average Judeo Christian is totally flummoxed when they read that, thinking, well, it says Jews. It must mean these people today we call Jews. Isn't that what the average Christian thinks when they read salvation is of the Jews? Michael, isn't that what well, they would think? That, that is probably what they read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they think. They're thinking of modern Jews and because they falsely believe their ancestors are the, the same as the Judah of the Bible, which is false. Continuing, in every Bible that verse is translated as salvation is of the Jews. That's correct. That's how they all translate it. Let's go to the original Greek word Judeos, which literally translated means belonging to Judah of the tribe of Judah. Well, that's the origin of the word Judeos, the Greek word Judeos. However, Jews today do not belong to the tribe of Judah. That is also correct. And that's extremely important because Jesus knew why he said Judah and not Levi or Ephraim or any other tribe not even Jacob or Israel. He was announcing the fulfillment of every Old Testament prophecy concerning himself, including Micah's prophecy, which was proclaimed sometime during 737 to 696 BC, which is Micah 5.2, and which states, quote, And thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, art a little one among the thousands of Judah, Out of the Jews, folks, out of Judah, the tribe of Judah. Out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, not of the Jews, and is going forth from, and his going forth is from the beginning, from the days of eternity, unquote. In other words, Yahweh the Father had planned this all out from the beginning of the universe, from the beginning of the world. So, Salvation is of Judah is the correct translation because Yahshua is a direct descendant of Judah, period. That's what that verse means. Not of the Jews as people understand the word today. Continuing. And that was the reason Jesus told the Samaritan woman that salvation is of Judah. What he was really telling her was that, quote, the Samaritans and the Judahites may worship the same God and share the same faith, but salvation is of Judah. Now, uh, that the Samaritan woman, in my opinion, was in fact an Israelite. Hard to say whether she was a Judahite. She lived in Samaritan territory, but there were a lot of uh, Israelites living in Samaritan territory because Samaria was old, the ten northern tribes. Okay? So there would have been a, a bunch of Israelites still living there, but not all of them were Israelites. There, as we pointed out, there were Sephardics and there were Edomites living in that territory too. And they created this bastard religion, uh, which the you know, pagan religion, that the ten northern tribes sunk into right after the split of the ten northern tribes and the southern two tribes. Uh, over to you for comment here. Yeah, and I believe, as you said, that this this was an an, an uh, Israelite woman because uh, Jesus Christ did spoke spoke to these women because look what he did with this Canaanite woman. He didn't even notice her. This woman he noticed, so yes. she must have been of the house of uh, of Judah or Benjamin. 
Yeah, he knew she was an Israelite, otherwise he would not even have spoken to her. The Canaanite woman came up to him, spoke to him, and he ignored her. And then he tell he told her, I cannot give you the children's bread, that is the, the Israelites' bread. But yeah, and this is a totally different his attitude toward the Samaritan woman is hundred and eighty degrees different from his attitude toward the Canaanite woman, which proves that he knew that she was a, an Israelite. Okay, let's continue. Yeshua, himself the salvation, was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem, Judah, and was crucified in Jerusalem, Judah. And only Jesus' going forth could have been from the beginning, from the days of eternity, because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and was Emmanuel, God with us, God made flesh. And he quotes Matthew one twenty three. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Yeshua, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus, I think, is the uh, trans. It says Jesus in the King James. Furthermore, the Judahites kept God's covenant with Moses by slaughtering and eating a lamb for Passover. Yeshua performed it with his disciples. The lamb was killed and eaten in a private home. Now, only the, well, the Israelites of the ten northern tribes had ceased practicing all of these Israelite rituals and had become pagans, although many of them still realized that they were of Israelite descent. They just weren't practicing Israelites uh, as the house of Judah was. This is what the author is trying to say, and it's very correct. The house of Judah was still performing the covenant rituals. The sacrifice of the Passover lamb in the Hebrew home was God's very contract with each individual ancient Hebrew, and that's why Yeshua fulfilled it with his disciples in order to introduce the new covenant. And in uh, Exodus 12:3, he quotes, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And Brother Abair and I did a uh, study of this, and we determined that the, uh, the day uh, that's fa- it's falsely called Palm Sunday was actually the selection day. So the Israelites would have to go out and select the lamb that they were going to sacrifice for Passover four days ahead of Passover. So on the 10th day of the first month of Bib, they would select the lamb. And that's what happened with Yeshua. The father uh, selected him on the 10th day of the month. Okay? And the whole Israelite... Now, is, isn't it strange, Michael, that the Israelites would turn out in huge numbers to welcome Yeshua to Jerusalem uh, with palm palm leaves and uh, and a parade, but he was riding an ass, <laughs> which also fulfilled prophecy, and and worship him as if he were the Messiah on that day, and then four days later, turn against him. How, what a turn! What an amazing turnabout. Well, I guess the answer is that well, he had to be sacrificed. And the uh, uh, many Judahites participated in that sacrifice. Over to you. Yeah, I guess he. Uh, I guess he told them too much truth, and you know, truth is like a double-edged sword. <laughs> That's right. So, 
That must have done because he also said that they almost also throwing out from the cliffs when he started to um, to telling them the truth. I mean, I believe he was just that carpenter's son, and now he was now he say all this to us. Oh, cannot stand it. Yeah, how could a carpenter's son be the Messiah? <laughs> right? It's a, he would have to be a priest. Well, he was a priest, priest of the order of Melchizedek, right, and a, and a descendant of Judah. Etc. Etc. So what we see here is that he fulfilled all of these old covenant rituals to the letter, to the absolute letter, and the knowledgeable Judahites would have noticed this. I think Nicodemus noticed it. The Pharisees, since they were not knowledgeable Judahites, they were just pretending to use scripture. Could care less whether he fulfilled this uh, promise or not, uh, the promise of Selection Day. But the interesting thing to me, Michael, is that the the people of Judah turned out in droves to honor him on that day, which tells me that the common people accepted him as Messiah, but not the Pharisees or the leadership of Judah. Over to you. Yeah, that is probably the 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 higher people that what to say the higher the the leaders they they saw that as something that would uh, would um, rock the boat too much. They would probably lose the power they had. So it was a, a power game for them. Yes, and if that person was a Judahite uh, working with the Pharisees, if he went out to celebrate uh, the selection day. The Pharisees would have trash canned him, <laughs> right? Or really, uh, you know, maybe uh, you know, he could—he would not be able to do business with them anymore. Okay, they would uh, censure him, and uh, you know, he would have to grovel in the dirt to uh, come back. Now, it's interesting. I don't know if Nicodemus was there. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea was a member of the Sanhedrin, so he was a uh, you know. What, a remonstrant member of the Sanhedrin who kept the faith, but he was a very wealthy man. That's probably why he was a member of the Sanhedrin, okay? But he was not a Pharisee and made no association with the Pharisees. So, But a lot of the Sanhedrin were Pharisees. So it was, again, you have what do you have in the Democratic Party today, in the Republican Party? You have a lot of white people, the true Americans, but the vast majority of the leadership today is Jews, just like in those days. Okay, They have totally taken control of our political and even our religious life. Uh, this, so what we're seeing today is an absolute repeat of what happened in Judea in those days. Okay, Jews don't kill a lamb for Passover in their homes to keep the old contract alive, and most of them follow the Talmud a man-inspired book full of Babylonian superstitions. Therefore, such practices on their part demonstrate how distinct their faith is compared to the faith Yeshua practiced. Okay, so let me just comment here that uh, whether or not modern Jews sacrifice a lamb in their homes like the Israelites did, uh, whether whatever they do is all pretense anyway. It's all a sham. It's all fake. It's all designed to fool Christians into believing that they are are or were the Judahites of the Old Testament. Uh, correct, Michael? Isn't that what Judaism is all about? 
Yeah, they want to, because otherwise uh, no one would believe them if they did nothing of the old stuff. No one would believe them, so they must keep it going. Yes, the shekel kikes. <laughs> Heap juice. The people in the chat room are trying to come up with creative words to describe these people. All right, why don't you take uh, the concluding section, Michael? Yes, the conclusion of this article is uh, the word you as we understand it today, is not in the Bible. Yes, that is, and I guess we are now maybe preaching to the choirs here. Right, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, and some new been, people. Yeah, yeah, it has been completely hollowed out uh, of its Judean or Judite meaning because the uh, prostatized rabbinites who hijacked it are not the tribe of Judah. Hijacked, See, yeah, hijacked, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not and the tribe of Judah. Reference here. Yes, and then we have Judites and uh, proselytes. Then okay. that's from Acts, um, second two eleven. Okay. Yeah, well, here uh, actually, let me go to Acts two eleven because this is an important. Go, go ahead, uh, continue reading while I search that for that scripture. Yes, um, all it does is create confusion in the Christian mind, which is exactly what the satanic forces want in order to unset Christians as a new chosen people, chosen to love and uh, to do good, and to um, calumniate Christ as a Pharisee. And again, he quotes 1 Corinthians 14.33, God is not the author of confusion. That's right. No matter what those print. Uh, principalities of hell do. Yeshua remains who he is and who is always was a true Judite, uh, the waiting king and Messiah, the salvation and that was to come from Judah. However, we Christians must do our part and remove the word Jew from the translated Bible and replace it with Judites. That way, all of us may know that Yeshua was not a Jew. That's right. Very good. Very good. Okay, so Acts chapter 2, uh, let me set the context here. This is actually you know, when uh, they were speaking in tongues and all understood each other, even though they were speaking different languages. Okay, let me start with verse 8. And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein... We were born. So if I were speaking Swahili, you would understand in Swedish. Okay, that's what happened here. They weren't speaking gibberish. They understood each other, even though they were speaking different languages. Acts 2.9, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome. Judahites, it should be here. Let's see what the word is. It is Judeos, Judahites, and proselytes. Okay, only Israelites would have been invited to this Feast of Pentecost. Only Israelites would have had any interest in it. Okay, because this was part, Feast of Pentecost is part of the covenants. So the proselytes would be those Israelites 
from the dispersion and also of Judah, who were also dispersed and scattered throughout the Greco-Roman world, who had been hearing about the events going on in Judea concerning Messiah. They would have been, you know, the news would have spread among the Israelites, would it not, Michael? Yeah, that because now the the fulfillment of the prophecies that the Messiah had come would, yeah, would drink them. Yeah, that's what this is all about. They're, we're not talking about uh, Africans, Asians, uh, you know, the, the, the Amerindians. It's, uh, none of these people were invited to the Feast of Pentecost. They, none of these people had even any glimmering of the the teaching of the New Covenant. The New Testament hadn't even been created yet, okay? So how could they possibly be universalists if they haven't even heard a Judeo-Christian preacher yet, right? There's no way. Well, these people are Israelites living in those countries, and the proselytes are Israelites who now understood that the Messiah had come. Isn't this how we're supposed to understand Acts chapter 2, Michael. Yeah, that was because of here, as also said, you said that we read that um, there were so many, many, they also spoke about all the dispersed tribe in Asia, in, in Rome also, they, they, wherever they may have been. So this also, when, when people read this, they should think, but hey, well, if the Israelites were in Rome, if they were there, hmm, where are they today? Don't they start thinking when you read something like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> we're, whenever see, we see the word Jew, we have been programmed to envisage a Hebrew, a Shemite. But that's not true. It, it, that should, when we read the word Judah, we should think that way, but not the word Jew. But we have been programmed to make those associations in our mind. The Jews have done a, a tremendous brainwashing job on our minds. Very, very successful. Back to you. Yeah, that was very successful. Yeah, so that is exactly uh, with everybody. And then uh, the, the news should then be spread to all of them that the Messiah had come. And that was what everybody was looking for. And then, of course, this message took very long time for, for the people in Europe to get to. And yes. I guess my people were among the latest ones that got it. Yeah, you, you, uh, you Vikings were the last ones to get the message, <laughs> to get the memo, right? So, continue. Uh, Peter's sermon at Pentecost. Now we have a true understanding of who was present at Pentecost. There were no Edomites present. If there were, they were present as spies, but they were not believers, and they couldn't be believers. If they were Edomites, they were antichrists fully, as they had always from the beginning been anti-Israelites and antichrists. So only Israelites were present of the 12 scattered tribes. James 1.1, to the 12 tribes of Israel, greetings, scattered abroad, greetings. That's how that book opens up. So James knew that all 12 tribes were still in existence in the Greco-Roman world. He knew it, Peter knew it, Paul knew it, etc., etc. But our modern-day Judeo-Christians don't have a clue that they knew this. Continuing, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, the word there is Judea, 
Well, they, that is not inaccurate because they were residents of Judea, but even better would be Judah because only pure Israelites would have been invited to Pentecost. So the correct translation here is, ye men of Judah. What is your, uh, do you have your uh, Swedish Bible in front of you? What, what does it say there? If, well, if can... they're using the, uh, they call it uh, um, Jew. Jew. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. So, so they would use the word Jew, thus implying a, a relationship between modern Jews and ancient Judah, which is false. The correct translation would be, "Ye men of Judah," because only Judahites would be invited from Judea. Okay. No other people from Judea would be invited, other than Judahites, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem. Be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. There were other uh, Israelites that dwelt at Jerusalem besides Judah. That's what he's saying here. Verse 15. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by Joel the prophet. Uh, Okay, he doesn't reference it, and this doesn't cross-reference. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith, saith Yahweh, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. It was only the Judahites that were do- and the Israelites that were doing this. No other people were doing this. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Okay, we're talking about the covenant people, the descendants of the twelve tribes. Verse 19. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. All those things happened at Calvary, folks. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Okay, So it happened at the first advent, but it's also going to happen at the second advent on a global scale. Verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of Yahweh shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, Acts 2.22, he now addresses them as Israel. Israelites. Okay? So he should, it should have been translated Judah in the passage above, and now it's correctly translated, ye men of Israel, because only Israelites were present, or only Israelites would have been invited. There may have been spies from the Edomite Pharisees. Uh, your comment here, Michael. Yes, you said here, um, when, you, when you read it, it is clear that he they this was a pure uh, racial uh, congregation this gathering you had they had no this was not an an uh, judeo christianity right judeo christianity church gathering here that's right it was not a multi-culti uh, you know all races invited church gathering it was not it was only israelites the context clearly proves it okay so let me continue Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus, Yahshua of Nazareth, a man approved of by God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, 
which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Okay, so only the Israelites would have been anticipating all of these fulfillments of prophecy, right? No one else would have had any inkling of a Messiah, none whatsoever. So only Israelites would have been interested in answering the question, well, has the Messiah come to Judea, <laughs> come to Judah? Did it, did it really happen? And so they would be the ones coming from all over the territory to Pentecost, and only those people. And only those people would have been permitted into the assembly here. Okay? Verse 23. Him being delivered by, by determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now he says, ye. Remember? He addressed them as men of Israel. The Israelites did participate, and so did the Judahites, in the execution and the sacrifice of Yahshua Messiah. They did participate. This is what Peter is telling to them. Verse 24, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Now, I can imagine, Michael, the confusion in their minds when Peter was telling them these things. Who, me? I participated in the uh, execution of Messiah? I would never do such a thing. But then, well, let's, let's read on. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Okay, well, uh, yeah, because death would never, not hold him. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw that Yahweh always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. But because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, <laughs> neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Again, he's citing prophecies of the Old Testament. So these prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled in their lifetime, fulfilled in their eyes and ears, etc. I'm going to jump down to verse 32. This Yahshua hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Yeah, and it was only delivered to the Israelites to be witnesses thereof. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith of himself, Yahweh saith unto my Lord, that is David, Lord David, sit thou upon my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Okay. Now, let me just dump down to verse 37. Now, let me ask you a question, Michael. Have, has Yahweh made his enemies his footstool yet? Mm, well, not yet, but he will do. He will, right. So it's we have to go through this 2,000-year period of, you know, they call it the age of grace, but I prefer to refer to it as an age of an awakening, uh, understanding, because it has taken us Israelites 2,000 years to understand the Bible. 
We haven't yeah. understood it until these last days. Now we're finally understanding it. And even the book of Daniel says, the prophecies of Daniel will not be understood until the end times. And that is the case. Now we do understand the prophecies of Daniel. The four beasts he talks about and the rock that is Christ and the, and the church that he built that will not be overthrown and this rock will destroy his enemies. But that has not happened yet because the world is still full of our enemies. So we anticipate that day with great anticipation. Now verse 37. Oh, actually, let me read 36 too because it addresses Israel. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Yahshua whom ye have crucified both Lord, what is the word for Lord here? Uh, Kyrios, and, yes, and, and Messiah. Both Lord and Messiah. Again, he's addressing the house of Israel and no one else. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Okay, now that they understand what they have done, how do we how do we overcome the, this crime that we were tricked into performing by the Edomites? What can we do about it? And then Peter says, Repent. "Yeah, go ahead. Repent. Repent. Right. And do better. Yeah. Now, of course." We all commit sins that we were tricked into, okay? And then uh, we blame the, the trickster for having tricked us into doing that. But most of the time, most of the time we know better, and we do it anyway, okay? And we believe those sweet lies, like, uh, you know, getting into usury, taking drugs. You know, we, we should know better, but because the, the, the marijuana or the opium or you know, whatever drug it is, is, is so incredibly good, you know, the experience you get from that, the, the high is so incredible that you keep coming back for more, even though you know better. Right? Isn't that how we get involved in these downward spirals? Well, what do you do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yahshua Messiah, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now remember, this is after the crucifixion. So we must repent. Now this this verse all by itself destroys the idea that uh, all sin was eliminated at Calvary. Okay, that all sin was forgiven, even future sin. No, we wouldn't be being asked to repent if all sins were forgiven at Calvary. Only, only the sins of the Old Covenant were forgiven at Calvary, not sins committed under the New Covenant. Your comment, Michael? Yeah, that should uh, seduce uh, uh, dispensationalists that uh, think that the law is done away with. What do you think when they read it? This was afterward... Uh, Christ had been crucified. Why? Right. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, don't they read these passages? You know, why would be we be 
uh, asking asked to repent if our sins were already forgiven, <laughs> right? All our future sins were all well, they weren't, because the redemption at Calvary was the un uh, how should I put it the the uh, undeserved forgiveness of sins prophesied w- way back in uh, the Old Testament before the Mosaic Law was given, so that uh, th- this prophecy was fulfilled at Calvary. But now Peter is saying, well, from now on, you have to repent of your sins and not do those things again. All right? So that, that's, the, that's the difference. So, so dispensationalism is a false teaching. Antinomianism is a false teaching. They ignore passages like this in order to per, uh, purvey their false doctrine. And this is why only Christian identity has a true understanding of the Bible. We are the remnant. And we must persevere until the end, until the judgment day, because nobody else will. They, they have given up. They believe they've already been saved, and we know they haven't. And Jesus will say to them, when they knock on the door, who are you? And he will slam the door in their face, folks. You must, you must be a repentant Israelite and sin no more. All right, Michael, thank you very much for being my co-host today. I think this concludes the the three-part sermon that we did on this article. Very excellent article. Uh, We should have more Christian identity authors like this. So, Michael, thank you and praise Yahweh. Thank you. Okay. All right, folks, thanks for listening. See you next time.